Hey guys, it's Steph here. Just a couple of things before we start this episode. The first thing is that when we recorded this episode, we didn't have a name for the podcast, but we do now. It's called Tights Camera Action, and we need to give a big thanks and shout out to our friend Barry Saunders for coming up with that name for us. Thanks, Barry. We needed to outsource that one to you. The second big thank you is to my brother, Manny Kachais, who wrote all the original music that you hear on this podcast. A big thanks again to you, Manny, for your awesome work. You can get in touch with us on uh, Twitter. We're at TCA Pod. You can also search Tights Camera Action on Facebook and get in touch with us there. If you have any feedback or ideas for the show, we'd really love to hear from you. We really enjoyed uh, putting this episode together for you and we really hope that you enjoy it. Cheers. Welcome to our show. It's three mildly qualified normal people talking about people who can fly around and stuff in movies. I'm Stephanie Nikitais and I'm going to learn how to talk, say my name properly eventually too. And I'm joined by two other co-hosts, Owen Vandenberg. Hello. Hi Owen and Kyle Shearer. Hey. Hey, so this podcast has been gestating in uh, my mind and kind of Owen's mind for a little while now. We're really excited about finally doing it. Like the inhuman gene waiting for the pterogenesis gas to activate it. Pterogenesis? I was never entirely sure about the pronunciation of that one. I always read it as pterogenesis because it's just the word genesis with, Terry. with the name Terry added in front of it. <laughs> that, that is actually how a normal person would read it. So uh, thanks, Owen, for that. People called Terry a born. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, finally, uh, the gas has arrived and we have created this thing so we're going to do it and today we're going to talk about Ang Lee's Hulk we're going to do a movie per episode and we've decided to start with the 2003 masterpiece from the auteur Ang Lee oh and this was your idea to do this movie <laughs> this is not my idea that, to, that the movie it's not my fault the movie exists <laughs> you didn't approach Ang Lee no but I, I actually do really like this movie. This is one of those ones that I love getting into discussions about this movie. And I am a, a Hulk fan from the comics and everything. And I think this is an interesting movie. And it's always one that you have different opinions on and different discussions on. And it gets, it gets ripped on a lot. And not unjustifiably. But I still think it's, yeah, I think it's a really interesting movie to talk about. Even now I can feel it. Buried somewhere deep inside, watching me, waiting. But you know what scares me the most? When I can't fight it anymore, when it takes over, when I totally lose control. I like it. So let's let's jump in and let's start talking about it from the sort of beginning where we've got a young 70s era David Banner mm-hmm. uh, and he's working on a, a project with the military. So can I just was it in 
So I'm assuming this was like Nevada somewhere where they were doing nuclear testing. Yep. Is that what we were supposed to believe? Yeah. Well, it kind of made sense in the comics that they were testing like a form of bomb. So the idea was you do it out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. But here they just seem to be working on like that- exploding frogs and trying to like... Well, he's, working on, um, he's working on cellular regeneration. Because they couldn't say super soldier at the time because they didn't have uh, Captain America rights. But he was, he's I, the, working on, yeah, he's working on healing, basically. Ju- judging from, like, the, the quick shots of the notes that he gets yeah, at, yeah, at the start of it. And yeah. they're, they're basically just, like, immune system and then, like, I will become immortal. Yeah. Why is the army interested in, like, immune systems? Uh, just imagine the pitch being something like, imagine a platoon of USGIs who can't contract STDs. <laughs> that would be undefeatable. We could deploy them anywhere. <laughs> writing in your scientific notes and then I will become immortal yeah. is not really I don't That's think good according science. to the scientific <laughs> method very good science I'm going to be underlined immortal yeah, <laughs> that's, that's actually one of my favourite forms of intro is like the opening sequence where it's like frenetic music and then you see all these like lab notes getting scribbled down yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, they used it for the remake of Godzilla like mm. it was yes. just like rapid cuts of like people's notes and it was stuff like you know some kind of Big monster? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> and then it gets sensitive yeah, the next that's one. that's actually really... Uh, they are very similar opening themes, aren't they? It, get, it gets you into it. gets you into the movie. It totally yeah. does. Well, I... Guys, what about the close-up shots of, like, cells under a microscope and they're uh, splitting yeah. so that you know science is going on, but they're green and purple? So huh? there's science going on, but in the Marvel Universe, because things yes. are put green and purple. Oh, of course. But were they, were they really green and purple? They were, they were pretty heavily green. Like, uh, later on when Eric... Uh, Eric Banner does like his blood test to figure it out that, that a change is going on. It's just basically like, yeah, my blood's green now. <laughs> yeah. So, thanks, Dad. Yeah. My, my blood's green now. Um, yeah, so anyway, it's we're, we were off track. We're getting stuck into Okay, the... so after, the, after the, the frenetic intro of young mustachio David Banner talking about like immortality, already signs that he's kind of going off the deep end, uh, we move forward to the future to like Eric Banner and uh, Jennifer Garner's sort of like. Jennifer Connolly. Jennifer Connolly. Oh god, I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna get that wrong every okay. single time. Do you always get them mixed up? Uh, I maybe. I, I, you're the first person to point it out to me. Maybe I've been saying this my entire life. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they're quite back. different. But anyway, continue. Yeah. So uh, Betsy and uh, Betsy and Bruce kind of like in their own sort of government research lab. And uh, what do you think of like Eric Banner's portrayal of, of Bruce Banner? <sighs> The thing about Eric Banner is that he's a fantastic character actor. Mm. And when he plays a leading man, he has to basically be a normal person, kind of. And he's just boring as mm. a normal person. He's not, he's not inherently compelling enough as a kind of guy, as him, mm. to, to really hold me. Like yeah, as he's a, not interesting as an he's not that No, not really. Mm. He's, he's a really talented actor. And, mm. I, and actually re-watching the movie... His performance is fine. It's it's just, I mean, for me, this movie, the whole first whole first hour is just so boring. Mm. Like that was that was my when I rewatched it, I was like, this is really going to be good in the second half, and it did get good in the second half. But the first hour was a struggle. Like just there are, watching them talk. There are a lot of chats about dreams. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Jennifer Connelly's dreams. That's how you know Bruce he has Banner's issues, dreams. guys. <laughs> Their relationship was basically just like one of them would 
take it in turns to talk the other one through their latest night terror. Yeah. Like, can you imagine their sleeping schedule? It'd be like <laughs> sleeping on shifts. And it's like, oh yeah, I had to like... Let's debrief. Yeah, I had the Nevada dream again. What, what did you have? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. I had the dream where you strangled me I again. I actually didn't understand why they weren't together. They were both very much still clearly in love with tr- each other. Yeah. And like, their reasons for breaking up were very vague. Yeah. And I didn't... I was like, why? And they just... They acted like a couple the whole movie, so yeah, I didn't it, quite understand. It's not like why the movie just kind of went. They broke up. You guys know how breakups work. We don't need to tell you. And then they just go from there. And but, but they still have to work together. Yeah. The fact that they had just broken up kind of colors the whole thing a bit differently. Because you, can you imagine like just splitting up with a partner, and then you get dragged into this like incredible Hulk mess with them? It would just be like <laughs> absolutely awful. Like, Where's it would strain a relationship if you were like still going out with each other. But if not, it would just be like. Yeah. Oh my god, we've, oh, we've my ex boyfriend keeps calling this is me not and leaving problem messages. Now, okay? yeah. like, like, I know you're going through some shit. Take I know you just me. met your dad, but like, come on. <laughs> I am not your emergency contact yeah. anymore. Right, we need to move on from this. But she this. is. She was both, she was like clearly still, oh, like, yeah, you know, she, cared yeah. about him yeah. and stuff, which is, you know, again, why, why I didn't buy that they were broken up. One thing on Eric Bennett's performance, because I do, I do think he's like, um, I don't really care for his performance in the in the movie. I think he's doing fine, but I think Eric Banner's weakness, and I've seen this in other things, is when he does an American accent, he really struggles with like acting as well. acting at the same time. <laughs> it seems he does other stuff great, like he's brilliant in Munich, and yeah. you know, he's, if you put him in with his Australian accent, he's fine. But for some reason, if he's doing an American accent, there's just something that doesn't work, and it just sort of falls apart. But that's what I mean. Like I don't find him there's something a bit bland about him mm. and that I can't I think quite connect I, with I wonder if that was intentional for this because it almost feels like they just wanted Bruce to just be a blank slate blank slate so that you're interested in the Hulk but then they don't let the Hulk show up for a while so yeah it's, it's kind of difficult because so much of his character in that movie was that he's just ultra ultra repressed guy and he mm. can't let himself display any type of emotion can't let himself get close to anyone but what that translates to is that he's just he's really boring. reserved yeah. and really like pent up which is really hard to get across just with like physicality it's kind of like the problems with um sam worthington when for a series of movies he always got cast as like where his character was always like part human part robot like he was either part human yeah. part avatar part, part human, human part, part god, god yeah. part human part terminator but mm. he was never he was always like had that slight guy. inhuman like robotic manufactured edge to him mm. uh, and which just made him like quite hard to be yeah identify and, with and it makes it quite hard to to know whether or not that's the actor yeah and, or, or whether yeah whether or not it's an actual choice he's making or whether he was cast for that quality mm. like yeah, we need we need a robot guy. Let's get Sam Worthington. Let's get Eric Banner. Mm. And they made Bruce a very <laughs> passive character in this movie. Like, yeah. so much of this just happens to him. Like, so many other... Basically, the only thing that he really does is jump in front of the gamma at that mm. one point. Everything else... Like, he gets driven into being the Hulk by other people. By, you know, it's, it's very much a kind of external influence, which mm. then just... It's kind of movies 101 that you're not supposed to have your main character just stand there and have the story happen to them, but... Yeah, well, they kind of really twisted around in this movie because he became like this 30-year delayed Frankenstein's monster mm. where it was like the accident that made him a Hulk happened when he was like a tiny kid and then it was just unlocked with this gamma accent when he's in it, with this gamma accident that he's an adult. But yeah, like his father keeps basically saying, you know, you're, you're tainted goods, like you're, you're, you've been damaged since you were a baby, like not only by the emotional trauma, but like genetically by like the experiments i was doing so yeah he was kind of like from the from yeah infancy like he was kind of like not in control of his own actions it is had this had this kind of like edge of fatalism to it 
like he was just kind of doomed to fall into it. But I kind of like the fact that he did jump in front of the gamma machine to, mm, to yeah. get triggered by the accident. It was kind of like a throwback to, or a, a callback to like Rick Jones in the comics. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if they, hadn't, if they didn't have at least that, then it would just be like basically shitting all over the character because mm. really, like that's the whole thing about Bruce is that he, yeah, he sacrificed himself to become the Hulk. Like that's how it happens is Rick Jones was going to die in the gamma bomb explosion and he pushes him out of the way and happens to... What is he? he pushes him into a ditch, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's that's obviously enough to <laughs> yeah, ditch will <laughs> save you from gamma. But this actually, oh sorry. No, no. I was, well, I, I don't understand how that guy didn't get gammed because I mean, he, all he did was stand. They, they, he was oh, in, in the, the movie. Yeah, in the movie, like he was still in the room. Yeah, but it's all in the. They're all like bunched together and know, pointing at the thing, and then still. Bruce jumps mm. in the way, and and as we all know, gamma radiation can't possibly also pass through a human body. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thanks, yeah. scientist Owen, for explaining gamma radiation to us and the logic of this. Sorry, Carl, continue. Uh, I was going to say, just t- talking about the accident that turns him into the Hulk, this is the part that I really wanted to talk about today because it's something that they keep changing in every movie depiction of like the Hulk. Uh, and I think that the way they change it, they're kind of missing one of the things that made the original comics Hulks great, which is that he was a scientist who was making a bomb. Uh, like a massively destructive bomb and he's just kind of doing it as a as like a white-coated guy who's far from the field of war uh, it's kind of like linked to sort of like the, the imagery of the Manhattan Project where you had all of yeah. these like stuffed shirts making these weapons of mass destruction and after he's doing that like as a result he gets turned personally into this force of un- uncontrollable undirectable right. like, uh, like violence yeah. and I think making it so that oh I was just working on like Immune, like helping the immune system or a super soldier serum or like something that could be applied to the fields of health and medicine or like something like to improve the world to improve the world yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. misses the point because in a way like turning into the Hulk is punishment it's it's like a what do you call it like a Greek, Greek god yeah, yeah, yeah like a sort of like the punishment given out by a Greek god where like you're oh an ironic punishment an ironic punishment you know like you're working on like these weapons of war which are going to be deployed in areas you're never going to see because you're just a a lab coat scientist and as a result you're going to be turned into like what you're making it's going to be like brought very personal to you and it's going to be on your hands literally now wow Kyle that's a really good no that makes a lot of sense I don't know why they didn't do that I guess because it's a little too heady well yeah they didn't do it because it's for the same reason that in Iron Man 1, like, oh, yeah, none of my weapons actually were being sent to the bad guys. That was actually, like, Obadiah Stane going behind my back and selling it to the bad yeah. guys. Like, you can't have Iron Man being an arms dealer who's selling to anyone. And you can't say, look, some of the weapons that we sell sometimes end up in the wrong hands, which is pretty much true. Uh, you have to say, no, it was all done by the bad guys. Iron Man's got a completely blank slate and Hulk's the same way. They're going to be heroes, so they can't... They can't be tainted with that kind of original sin, which made the characters so compelling. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I guess you're hitting on probably one of the biggest flaws of of this new Marvel Cinematic Universe in general is this idea that these heroes can't, are infallible yeah. and can't, <clears throat> can't have these, can't have pretty major flaws, which mm. is, you're exactly right, is exactly why they're compelling in the first place is because these characters are, yeah, flawed people who, you know, kill and maim and have lots of problems, but they overcome that. Mm. And I guess um, there are other now shows and things that Marvel are trying to do where characters are a little little bit less black and white, mm. good and bad. But I guess, yeah, these early incarnations of Iron Man's probably a good one. I mean, 
Captain America is like the perfect example because he literally, like there is nothing wrong with him. Like there is nothing, he's a bit like Superman. Like he mm. doesn't really have any problems and he doesn't really have any faults. And it's, it's a t- really tough sell because how, where's your story? Yeah, he, he loves America too much. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, that's it. He just loves America too much and he just loves his friends too much. Yeah. And now he's like, he has to pay for that, for his mm. loyalty to, to idealism. But um, we're getting off track. Uh, so back to the whole. But that's no, you're right. It doesn't. It is. He's just. They're just doing random kind of experiments. Yeah. So sorry. When you say they're doing bio, like um, grow back. Uh, yeah, what grow did back. you say? <laughs> grow, grow back. back. Grow, grow back. Working on grow, grow back. back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, working on like yeah. What, what did you say? Cellular regeneration. Cellular regeneration. Sorry. I prefer is, grow back. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> grow back science. Isn't that the same science that the guy was doing in Spider Man? The Amazing Spider Man. The lizard uh, guy? Yeah, but oh, his yeah, science yeah. was like, lizards grow back tails, so I'm just going to like <laughs> yeah. staple a bunch of lizards to myself yeah. and like swallow some lizard juice. Maybe, maybe my arm grow back, maybe not. Yeah. Who knows? I've got tenure. No- yeah. i got tenure. Yeah. <laughs> they cut to his notebook and says, lizard juice? Question mark. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not even a science professor. I yeah. teach like art history. <laughs> <laughs> but I got all these lizards. Yeah, I got all these lizards. <laughs> But growback science yeah. is really is like really helpful for comic book hand wavy science yeah. because it's it, it's always a thing of like I was studying cellular regeneration and something went wrong because there's so many like comic book things that are transformed. Yeah, like, like how did I turn into a rhino man? Yeah, any, mm. anything that's like about a transformation, you yeah. can kind of go, oh, we were trying to find you know find the secret of healing or immortality, yeah. and we well, something went wrong. Oh. So anyway, we find out that so they're working in the lab mm-hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> They're working in the lab, and and uh, and it turns out there's this creepy janitor around. Oh yes, and finally, the, <laughs> finally, on McNulty, the hero of the movie. <laughs> there's this creepy. Well, no, there was a scene. It's really weird where like um, Jennifer Connelly bumps into him, in, and he's she's like. Yeah. Where's Where's Betty? And he goes, says, because he's trying to blend in. Yeah. He goes, Betty is dead. And she goes, Oh, I can't. Yeah. Right. Right. Betty's dead. I'm the new guy. Just, she's just like, Oh, fine. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Like, no. What happened to her? Anyway. She's like, I've talked to the common people for the day. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's fine. I'm good with that. Yeah. But so, anyway, so Nick Nolte in this movie is absolutely incredible. And every glimpse we see of his janitorial lifestyle is yes. just amazing. I love especially when we see his palatial crack den. He's yeah. living in like this mad, this desiccated mansion that is just so big. It has like 10 bedrooms or something, five yeah. bathrooms, and it is just completely It's clearly condemned. It kind of reminds me when I was seeing him like as a janitor with like this gigantic mane of hair unkempt. It kind of reminded mm. me of like that... That joke about like the two hairdressers. Like if you go to a town, there's two hairdressers. One of them's got a great haircut, really neat, and the other one looks like a slob. Like who do you go to? You go to the one with like, you go to the one with the great haircut because oh no, sorry. You go to the one who looks like a slob, slob because the other person gave him a haircut. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got two janitors in a town and one of them is like just a regular Joe and the other one is living in this like <laughs> Manson family like hideout mm. and he just looks like and sounds like an insane murderer, mm. then you obviously go for him because he's cleaning the other guy's house, right? <laughs> but oh yeah, Nolte as the janitor, like... Can we talk about his lab setup? He's yeah. just got all this like stuff in his lounge room. Like he's got a little like miniature centrifuge that yeah. he spins tubes around and he's got a, yeah, like he's... It's just that thing where you go, oh, I guess he's doing science. And how, like, long, how long are we supposed to believe that he's been out of jail? So he says that he was 
stuck in jail for 30 years. Mm. And I like to think that like five of that was for like what went down at Nevada. And then the rest was just like this spree of hit and runs mm. and like liquor store <laughs> holdups. And he just like kept getting back in again and again. Well, killing your wife probably wouldn't get you that long. Hey, not in Nevada. <laughs> What did he actually get locked up for? Because it seemed like he got locked up not for killing his wife, but for actually just for his research being done like in a bad way. That's how I read. Like it seems to me in the movie, like he gets court-martialed because he was. No. Am I wrong? Really this, or does he actually get locked up for killing his wife? I think. Like, I think it's. Like... The, I think it's the wife thing. Okay, cool. I feel like the way it's presented because doesn't he get arrested by? By Thunderbolt, Ross? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because it's a military facility. So they, oh, okay. so the common, you know, US Marshals or whatever don't yeah. have jurisdiction over in there. In there. Oh, okay. But they do have their own, like, you know... Or does he get arrested for setting off the bomb? Yeah, so there, was there a gamma bomb that they were working on as well? It and seems they set like that off. Yeah. 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 Or does he just overload the lab? But this, <laughs> is why, this is why the movie isn't good. Because yeah. there is an hour or so of all of this shit at the beginning and we still are sitting here going, like, what happened? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't... There's plenty of time for them to explain quite clearly what happens to, in this movie and we don't get that. We don't really get a full story. Mm. Anyway, that's my little... So we mentioned Thunderbolt. We should probably talk about the other antagonist in the movie. <gasps> so Sam Elliott as General Ross. Mm. No, um, no. Oh, I was going to say the, the other guy, the young oh, guy... Oh, Talbot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright, Josh, Josh Lucas yeah. gives a performance in this movie that is bonkers. Mm. It's uh, it's it rivals Nick Nolte. He overacts the shit out of it. He's mm. just like, Banner, I'm gonna get you research, and it's like, and this is a, like Josh Lucas is a pretty good actor. In this, I don't know what he was doing. I guess he was like, I'm in a comic book movie and Ang Lee yeah. wants to do a comic book movie because Ang Lee was clearly like, it's a comic book. I'm doing like panels on the screen. So we're going to, it's going to be quite over the top. In, I guess that's what he said to this guy because it is a bonkers performance and I defy anyone to, to watch it and not be entertained. It's kind of weird. I don't know why Bruce Banner hates him so much. Because he's a good-looking dude macking on his girl. Because, like, in the... In so the he's clearly, like, a smarmy, like... You yeah, know, but he's in a suit and yeah. he, like... He doesn't care about He just good wants science, to use their man. research to make money. Yeah. Yeah, but in the first scene that he's in, like, he's like, oh, hey, Betty. And Betty's like, oh, you know, hey, Talbot. You know, kind of whatever. <laughs> and then Bruce comes in and he's like... He's like for like this really, really buttoned-down guy. Mm. Like, he just can't stand him. He's just, like, telling him to, like... Piss off because he's hitting like, on his girlfriend. But it, his ex-girlfriend. But this is what I'm saying. They're not ex. They're not exes. They're still clearly very much in love with each other. I just thought it was it was kind of weird. That those two hated each other like so much. I I don't really know where that part <laughs> came from. I mean, but this is what I mean about the performance also being bonkers. Yeah, because mm. he is. He's hateful, and it kind of is not a normal reaction probably when you're faced with that character to be like you. Piece of was shit. he such a bad guy? Like he was just doing his job. He was like hitting on Betty. She wasn't in a relationship. <laughs> He's a military scientist. Like again, like this is the kind of Bruce Banner should have been more like Talbot at the start. He should have been more into like the military. I'm like a hired gun for the military. Oh no, I get turned into like a big bomb. We are learning a lot about Kyle today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's, just, he's just into science. He's, into, he's, he's, he's science. just a big science fan. He's a and, science and guy. And General Ross, he's just like, Hulk has to be contained. I was like, fair enough. But I mean, this is why Hulk's enemies are traditionally like the military, because he's, it's like the mirror of, of the Hulk. The Hulk is like yeah. the military made flesh. And so the military, the US military, then have to fight like their own creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so and, and try and contain it, uh, yeah. but they, they never never can. His existence is, is inherently threatening to them. Yeah. Mm. 
And yeah, it's kind of interesting to see General Thunderbolt Ross in this because at the start he was like all fire and brimstone and then he just gradually got like calmer and calmer and sadder and like distant as the movie went on and turned into like more of that traditional Sam Elliott kind of like detached laid back persona. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't see him leaning over a whiskey in a bar. Yeah. Well, that would have been perfect for that. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, doesn't, doesn't, because, um, William Hurt takes over the role later. Yeah. And I think at the end of Iron Man 1 or something, oh. No, it's at the end of The Incredible Hulk. Sorry, you're right. At the end of The Incredible Hulk. He is seen in a bar. Yeah. It would have been good yeah. if that was Dan Elliott. That was the one where they, uh, where they moved up the post credit sequence to before the, the credits because they had to sell it on Iron Man. That's like, right. I didn't think anyone was going to go see the movie. A, a, a real landmark moment mm. in the Marvel <laughs> <laughs> But can we talk, I think, about, I think a little bit to do with why he softened a little bit was because, and this is another thing I didn't remember about the movie, was <clears throat> how big Jennifer Connelly's role was. Mm. Like, as a girlfriend in a movie, like, she, she kind of like you were saying before, how Bruce is very passive. She's quite active yeah. in the movie. She yeah. does a lot. She, she, progresses the, uh, the plot a lot and she has whole scenes between her and her dad where mm. she's just like they're not really talking about or they kind of are talking about Bruce but mm. like that was quite unusual and you don't really see that I like that she she went to confront Nick Nolte so after the accident where Bruce finally gets like hit by the gamma and starts transforming she's like she goes to check out like Nick Nolte's place she's like mm. this is a very large very <laughs> unmaintenanced house for yeah. a I fresh should... member of our janitorial yeah. staff I should definitely walk in here on my own without telling <laughs> anyone else where I am but I mean so she sort of has a confrontation with him he acts yeah. Really weird about it. Uh, yeah. but she kind of leaves, and then later on, when Nick Nolte is taunting Bruce over the phone, he's like mentions that he set his dogs on her, but he says it in a way that indicates like he's like just spoken to them or like given them orders or is like. Well, they, he did they, though. He, he does. He, he gives them her scarf, and he's like, "Go get yeah. her," he's like, and let nothing stand in your way. <laughs> he says, "I told some associates of mine yeah. to go take care of some of my co-workers." <laughs> Given the context, Bruce should not have any idea what that means. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like you know, I have dogs, right? You, you're aware of all of my of everything else I do outside of work. And yeah, the mutant dogs. Well, yeah. just delegated quite a lot of responsibility to these dogs. They're pretty good at it. Like, they're, they're well, they do. They, they do. would have been fine if the Hulk hadn't showed up. Like, as yeah. far as achieving their goal, they would have been able to do it. So the, yeah, the totally. Hulk dogs are probably the one thing that everybody remembers about this yes. movie. Yeah. Hulk dogs and the Hulk poodle especially, yep. I think. It's mm-hmm. like the one thing everybody mentions. Is it like, is it such a crime that there were Hulk dogs I in don't movie? think so. I, think I it's, don't think it's as bad. I don't as, think it's yeah. as bad as it, people think. It's, it's fun. It's a good bit of shorthand to go, that movie was dumb. I'll tell you why, Hulk dogs. But mm. like, it, it, yeah, it makes sense. At least in, the, in of, the context of this movie, the fact that he's just injecting dogs with Hulk serum or something. Also like poodles as well, which are like the symbol of like humankind forcibly breeding an, an, an animal to turn it into something stupider and stupider. There like, it kind of goes me. along with... I had poodles when I was a kid. They're good. <laughs> You're, You're just like the problem. Problem. <laughs> just... <laughs> And I set them on my enemies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I injected him oh. with, with Hulk serum and he turned into a monster oh. and, you know, I, I, I made him do my bidding and he was good. But yeah, thematically, they kind of work within the movie because it's all about, like... You know, turning the forces of genetics and selected breeding, and it's, it's it's what Nick Nolte did to his own son as well. Is yeah. like it's just people are just like animals to him. Everyone's a lab rat. It's all about making himself immortal for some reason. Uh, but yeah, I think they get 
unfairly kind of just like blasted. At the same time, they are a bit silly. Mm. It is a bit of a silly thing. It is a bit silly, but again, like, I guess kind of what I said at the beginning is the, the things that I remembered not liking weren't the same things that I didn't like in the second view in this rewatch and the thing I didn't like about this rewatch was more that it was boring not that there was Hulk dogs mm. you know what I mean like the Hulk, the Hulk dogs were like oh cool an action scene mm. that this movie desperately needs because yeah. at that point I, I was literally just been talk to people talking for an hour Yeah. so I mean yeah it was a little silly but it was pretty good action how do you guys think the uh, CGI held up? Pretty good. Some of it Me quite too. well. Yeah, I was quite surprised. Yeah, I I actually think the 2003 Hulk overall looks better than the 2008 Hulk. I think the shots of him like running through the desert and yeah. the super jumps and the fact that he is bright green, like mm. I actually really enjoyed that. I think it, part of it was that it was Ang Lee had a very specific visual style with his like little panels and the little edits and all of like the green and purple coming up again, which kind of like puts you in the right frame of mind for it mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I think it, it holds up alright I yeah. mean I think trying to make the Hulk look photorealistic is the wrong way to go about it because you know just trying to make him more sinewy or like darker green it's kind of it's always going to look a bit off so mm. why not just go all out let's go bright green they did yeah. they, they well that's what they did in the Avengers though mm. and I, th- I feel like it looks okay oh, yeah, Avengers, Avengers well. Hulk looks great yeah I mm. think I think I just think the Edward Norton Hulk movie um, that Hulk Bit. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah, of. That was very weak. like sign you in. Yeah, he's got all the veins across it, and they're like, "Hey, what did he look like? He was juicing all the time." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what bit are we up to in the movie? I think, I think we're uh, Hulk dogs. We oh, just, we he, he just dogs. beat Hulk dogs. Oh, and then, and then she calls the she calls, she calls the her general. dad on him. Yeah, and that's then he bit, gets uh, that's a bit bad. She shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Well, again, X. It's like he's crushing at her house now. Uh, yeah. His dad is like. She's like, I've got to bring my dad to get this guy out of my house. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> He's not behaving like, appropriately. I'm not talking to your parents anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling you an Uber yeah. <laughs> and you are going. Um, so, yeah, so he gets. And then he gets put in. And this is where, this is where I started enjoying it because. You know, the action's kicked in and, yeah, all those cool scenes of him escaping the, the desert, mm. those amazing shots of him jumping mm. through the desert um, and just through the American landscape was incredible. I've forgotten how good that was. The whole military base section <laughs> is, like, my favourite part where mm. it's first him in containment and then Betty taking him through the abandoned base, which was quite eerie, and him getting the flashbacks to yep. his like childhood. Oh, that's right. And that that then on the tail end of that being like the big chase and fight with the military. That that sequence as a whole is like really great. Mm. Um, so we find out that in fact his dad had killed his mum, and mm. that was what he was repressing. And it was yeah, I, I've got to say that whole stuff was was quite affecting and well done. This idea that yeah. The Hulk is is a proxy for his repressed memories and for his repressed rage yeah. from when he was quite young. And I mean, I guess the only thing I would say that I didn't like about that was that it was almost too on the nose. Like, it literally has the Hulk behind the door mm. and, like, you know, open the door and let the monster out. And, mm. you know, the Freudian imagery was quite, you know, a bit on the nose. But I guess you have to when, you, when it's going to be 15-year-old boys going to a movie. Yeah. Well, I think there's an element of, like, self-hatred to... The Hulk in in Eric Banner's portrayal, which I quite liked, like this idea that yeah he witnessed his dad killing his mother, so he's got like, and his dad was actually trying to kill him when it happened. His mother got yeah. in the way, so like you've got the feelings of like blame and resentment and guilt that just get bottled up and start festering mm-hmm. away. Now, now that's an essential part of Banner as a character in general mm-hmm. is that he like 
just hates himself for being the Hulk. Mm. Like that's something I always find really interesting about the character. Usually, is that he just I, something I always find really interesting is that Banner and the Hulk both just hate each other. Like Banner hates the Hulk for for all the damage he causes. The Hulk hates Banner for like just trying to contain him and always and being uh, like, a puny human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the Hulk hates that he has to turn back into Banner, and I've always appreciated that. So I like that they worked in some of the self-loathing. I thought it was an interesting way to, to work that in mm. without because because you can't really have that in a Hulk origin story because he's not the Hulk yet, so he doesn't have time to have all the self-loathing about the damage he's caused. But this is giving him a backstory where mm. he's got essentially a lot of guilt over something that some trauma but repressed yeah because, but, but because repressed it, that, it wasn't yeah. there um, I don't really know the comics about Hulk at all is is that how is is that true is that what happens in the comics is his dad kill his mum I actually am mm. not sure um, I think his dad was like a bad person in the comics yeah I don't think he was tied up in the origin story of like no. the Hulk as right much. It was he didn't more, create the... I think he, he came back at one point and was a real... I think he came back uh, at one point as like a bad guy, but uh, yeah, I don't think he was tied into like the origin story as much. Yeah. Right, because in this essentially, yeah, he creates the Hulk because if it wasn't for the experiment, experiments that he'd been doing on himself mm. and that he'd passed down through genetics to Bruce, mm. the gamma rays would have killed Bruce. Yeah. But so the argument was that he was only created into the Hulk because of that. Mm. Yeah, it was mm. the combination of the gamma rays and the... Yeah, <clears throat> that's all pretty much new for the movie. Right, yeah. And so at about this point in the movie as well, we start to get, like, Nick Nolte's master plan, the whole thing, which is he wants to kind of, like, replicate, like, the the same experiment that gave Bruce all of his power, uh, except, like, for it to finally, like, give him all of his own power. Also not a great part of the movie, because this whole plot of Nick Nolte being the big bad of the movie coming in at this stage of the film. I mean, mm. he's, he'd already been bad, but we could have been introduced to that master plan a lot earlier. Um, in the he was writing "I will become immortal" and underlining it like three times in the opening okay, sequence. I, I kind of, I kind of like the fact that they tied it off with with Nick Nolte because it is like the film is about like the fatherhood issues and, yeah. and all of that. No, sort I of just stuff. mean, I just mean that I, I, I just mean that they couldn't, they could have introduced that that whole plot mm. not in the third act, like earlier in the earlier mm. in the movie. Can we talk about the bit where he becomes... Well, he becomes the Absorbing Man, who in the comics is a completely different guy called Crusher Creel. Um, but he can touch anything and he becomes that uh, that material that he's touching. And but again, though, that seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah. In terms of, like, where did, the power, like, yeah. where did that come I from? I just love how quickly he adapts to that. Because <laughs> he does the, goes through the experiment and then, like, touches something, realises that he's, like, taking on its, uh, taking on its um, characteristics. And then someone comes in and says, what are you doing here? And he instantly says something like, I can partake in the essences of all That's things. right. <laughs> <laughs> like, he found out ten seconds ago. And, the guy and he lifts, a, uh, lifts, like, a, a, a huge scientific instrument and just slams it on the guy the guy came and was like mm, what's a janitor doing did someone spill some soft drink on the floor again yeah. as they're mopping it up it's like I'm in community with the, with the entire world it's like oh god oh well yeah. <laughs> that's what happened to Benny yeah. <laughs> but he just came in and he just got killed so the Hulk ends up going to San Francisco and he calms down and Betty's there and then they but he gets taken into custody again right hmm. and then they well, how does Nick Dolty then find them so I think that they, they put Thunderbolt Ross puts Hulk in a gigantic electric chair, which is That's pretty right. funny. And yeah. then Nick Nolte surrenders uh, right. just to get close just to, to Hulk, get close saying, to I just want to say goodbye yeah. to my son one more time. This is why we have a, a series of like 
go to prison to visit someone, there's a glass wall, there's a little phone, you pick up a phone, they pick up a phone, you have a little chat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that system is there for a reason, it's a good system, it works. Whereas what they've got for the Hulk, they've rigged up this massive electric chair. Thunderbolt Ross is just like, yeah, head on in. It's like an open house. We got like, yeah. this is like pizza guy walking around in the background. There's like a kid skating. There's like no security. The side hasn't been locked down. Nick Nolte is just sitting there, just like screaming abuse at his son. Yeah. And Thunderbolt Ross is like, well, said, this is probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is all. This is all as part of the therapy. It's yes. his exposure therapy between the father and the son. Let's they just have to see tell how it plays out, yeah, guys. Let them go. I think so. On, uh, while I was watching, I was like, "What the? Why is Thunderbolt Ross is like really checked out of things now?" But on reflection, I think was he just thinking this will make Bruce transform into the Hulk so that I can finally like fry him for good. Was that the implication? Uh, Probably. This is, again, I'm not sure. This is where the movie, for me, isn't good because I don't know what's going on half the time in it. And it's never, again, so much exposition and yet nothing is clear. Mm. So I don't know why he's doing it. But I will say, so then what happens is they electrocute or is it... Is it a, oh, it's better a than lightning, that. A lightning strike? Nolte no. picks up the cable. <laughs> that's yeah, right. picks up a giant electrical cable yeah. and bites into it. <laughs> yeah. Takes a that's right. big old bite. So, yeah. And then he goes, and then he and Bruce sort of get shot up into the sky. And this was like the best part of the movie mm. was that cool bit with the in this in where they're fighting in the clouds. Yeah. So like yeah, the Hulk fights the lightning. Hi- the Hulk fights lightning, lightning but you see these lightning flashes, and then you see like these cool kind of grey. Um, snapshots of the Hulk in the clouds, and I thought that looked awesome. And that, that, that to me, and good. that, that's Ang Lee. Like yeah. that's that's where you get an amazing director with an idea and a vision to go. Right. How can we tell this story visually cool yeah. in a cool way? And they did that. And I was like, see, there were glimpses of goodness in this movie. And the symbology of it worked really well as well, because like Bruce is just this turns basically into like a small child again, like scale wise, and is fighting his father who is just everywhere. And ev- everywhere at once without yep. being like, just influencing like every aspect of his life, controlling the entire world around him and trying to like basically like absorb him entirely, like leech him completely dry and like erase him as a, as a person. And so it kind of, that's why I didn't mind the fact that he turned into Absorbing Man, even though it was like a completely different effect than like what Bruce got, because it kind of worked in terms of the story. Uh, and yeah, it was a pretty good sequence of him like, now I'm the rocks, now I'm like the water, now I'm the lightning. Hmm. And then, uh, yeah, so Bruce finally takes him down by just like chucking the biggest tantrum that hmm. he can possibly do and finally like, like overcharges Nick Nolte. Yeah, because he says like, give me all your power. He basically says, you, was like, you think you can handle it, take it all. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then what, then, then a missile comes in. Oh, that's right. They, have to, they, have, well. they just have a bit of dialogue about, like, we have a gamma neutralizing missile or something like right. that. Right. So he, but, but at this stage, Nick Nolte is like this big giant cloud above the. Yeah. Like, he's taken in all, he's absorbed all of this energy from the Hulk, and he's like this big giant phosphorus cloud, mm. and they bomb the shit out of it. Yeah. Like, no, that was Mufasa. That wasn't Nick Nolte. <laughs> who killed Mufasa's ghost. <laughs> Nick Nolte was over there. Bet you need a lot of things sweeping up now. <laughs> when the Hulk destroys the base, they'll rely on the janitor more than ever. Yeah, the whole thing was just a big con <laughs> to get himself more work. Like, he's, just... he's like my ja- oh god, he's gonna he's gonna start um, just uh, like 
franchising out his business to mm. all these other janitors, and the next movie is basically just going to be Janitor Man. You got a you got a dirty surface. Look at these new cloths I made. They absorb. They they partake I, in the essence of all sodas. They absorb all. They absorb white wine. They absorb your red wine. They suck it right up. He becomes like a telesalesman. Yeah, he's got the sham whale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, and then at the end we find, um, well, he's the Hulk is dead. We think. But oh, but is he? he? Or is he? Anyway, he might be in the jungle with a little frog in his hat. Yep. Deployed to South America, just like all of the other <laughs> military projects that the US no longer wants to talk about. Yep. But it's it's again, it's no accident that he's fighting like a militia that was sent. On behalf of the government, I think they say. So it wasn't like a terrorist militia, it was a government militia. So, so it's engaging foreign troops again as the Hulk. In the, at the beginning of The Incredible Hulk, the second one with Edward Norton, um, he's in Brazil, isn't he? He's in he's South in, America. He's in South America or something. Isn't he through the, yeah. um, the ghettos of Brazil? Yeah. So presumably it is a sequel. No, it's not. I think they were just paying like homage to it. Yeah. Because I think that they were more concerned with like the old TV show, where it's like moving around from place to place mm. every week is in a new place, like helping people out. But it, yeah. it basically works as a sequel. I mean, in a way, yeah. But it, it also has a different origin story in in that one. Like they only do it through montage. Oh, but that's right. They, they they have enough different about it. It's I don't think it's meant to be a direct continuation. Yeah, and there's no there's no mention of his father. There's no mention of like. The immunology thing, the yeah. grow back technology, it's yeah, all, it's all about, yeah. oh, we were just trying to make a new Captain America. Carl, it sounds like you liked this movie. I did, because at least it, it tried. It, mm. it, like, it tried to do something that is very long. This movie swings for the fences. It and really, I really Like, I pay a lot, of, a lot for that, just for, like, yeah, it really goes for it. It's arguable whether or not it succeeds with that, but it really tries. It goes, this is what I'm doing, I'm just going for it, and... Yeah. Do you think if it had been successful that they would have just continued to do... It's almost like that was the beginnings of what the DC model is now, which is to like give, give a good director, well, you know, that's arguable, but to give a director a lot of leeway with the character um, mm. and to kind of let them do their auteur thing with it, um, a la Christopher Nolan. Um, but And they did that with Ang Lee, but it obviously didn't work very well. well and so they sort of changed tack a little bit and went a much more popcorn-y route. I think they did. I think that Ang Lee wasn't trying to make a comic book movie, like despite all the little panels of comics and references, I think he was making a monster movie like King Kong or Godzilla. Yeah. Like all of the shots with Bruce and Betty, it was like King Kong shots. Yeah. And the, all of the military firing on the Hulk, it's like, yeah, like the plane circling around like King mm. Kong when he's climbing the tower. And I think it's because it's a monster movie that it is kind of like a refreshing take and it's very different to like the Incredible Hulk or Hulk and the Avengers. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't see how it could have been tied into like the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it is too different. It yeah, is too it's, it's too much its own thing. It's too introspective and yeah. about like personal trauma and like, yeah, all of like Bruce's issues around fatherhood and mm. yeah, it's too much of like a... Standalone story, yeah. and, and and you're it is, and you're right. It's very classically. There's a there's a there's that Greek classic text about it too. All those concepts of yeah, father sons and, 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 and inherited redemption. sin as well, like yeah. the sins of the father being the sins of the son. Yeah, 
I mean, look, I, I, like I said, it was better than I remembered. And there are definitely parts, like I'd forgotten some, some key parts that I'd just forgotten about and was like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. Um, but it was just too slow at the beginning. There's just classic pacing issues with it for me where I just couldn't quite, I was just, I was just bored. Yeah, it is a bit bloated. Uh, and, and I couldn't, yeah, that, that was, that's the most disappointing thing about it. And I, I, it is disappointing because I agree with you. I think that it does, there's a lot of potential in it. And they were, they were trying really hard to do something cool. Um, he tackles a helicopter. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he <laughs> removes the chip off a missile yeah. and then yeah. throws, <laughs> throws it away. That was cool. It out. There are moments of cool, cool, cool yeah. action as well. And there's look, hey, there's a poodle, you know, yeah, fights yeah. him. You know, that's cool too. And he does a uh, Mario sixty four with Bowser with yeah. a tank. <laughs> he picks it up by thinks the tank which, up by the turret. Oh, which they do in the, which they do in the new Fantastic Four movie. Oh right, yeah. But yeah. they don't show it. Mm. With the thing does Still that. Still haven't seen that. No, we'll, 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 we'll have to episode. talk about that yeah. one. That's definitely... There, yeah. is, there is a segment I'd like to try. Uh, I had the idea when I was watching Blade, and it is, how would you rate the plan of the bad guy? Oh, like, okay. As, as a plan, just morality aside, just look at the logistics, look at how they went about doing it. Like, was it a good plan? Was it executed poorly? Was it, was it just completely loony? Like okay, so does, and what's our scale? Like, well, does Nick Nolte have a plan in this movie? That's the first yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it that, feels like he's just turning up and just just winging it. Like, <laughs> I'll just get there and I'll figure it out. Yeah, I was gonna say, what is his end game to be powerful? I think his yeah. end game is just like supreme power yeah. and like just to become. Immortal. I've got three decades of shitty fatherhood to catch up on. Like, I haven't been a shitty father in in the room for so a while, so I've got to like really. <laughs> in jail for 30 years yeah. I kept saying I'll start my university course like next next yeah. term well next finally term. gonna take some time out yeah. for me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah okay I guess it's well I wouldn't I wouldn't rate it very high because he he it does seem very like there is no plan and yeah. he's kind of just going with it um, and probably it's like, like improvisational jazz though you gotta give him credit for that like he's, he's doing it he's, he's just he's very quick at thinking and adapting to things yeah so yeah true it's like Benny rocks up he's got some he's got some dogs to deal with it it's the crimes he's not committing you guys yes. that's the real secret you gotta listen in between his villainous also <laughs> for his plan he does get the power and he does have the Hulk on the ropes uh, yeah. It's only because he just underestimated his own son uh, due to his own like arrogance and blindness and like the low opinion he has of like his own. Family. I have a feeling that's going to be a significant theme in all of our villains if we do this. Mm. Like mm. he he underestimated the power of his enemies and he threw arrogance. And that's true. I still I give him credit for. The, the plan and just how much how much fun he was having the whole time he was <laughs> Look, doing he, it clearly he's having a lot of fun he he's getting back and he's having a good time he's, he's you know he's, he's looking on the bright side he's doing he's like applying himself in his janitorial role mm. he's like saying some pretty creepy weird things <laughs> to people he's, he's not self-censoring he's like out in the big wide world again is he's doing pretty well for an ex-con yeah <laughs> yeah I'm sure he's, he's a parole officer would be pretty proud of his progress yeah. Um, until he starts to actively, you know, try and murder other people. I want to see him filling out the rental application for that place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got three dogs. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. a pet friendly household. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be performing some experiments. <laughs> I, I like to play my 
My my saxophone late at night is not going to be a problem. <laughs> it's fine. You're in an industrial area. The house is basically falling down. It, it's, it'll be fine. Um, I think that this was the type, the period where Nick Dolty had that infamous um, shot take. You know that uh, mug shot of him. Oh yeah. Oh, I think right. it was during this yeah. movie. This I is peak Dolty. I think this is peak. This yeah. is when he was at his best mm-hmm. and uh, worst at the same time. He looks like he committed a hit and run on the way to and from set. Every, Every day, day. it's on that. <laughs> All right, well, we should probably wrap it up. I think I think it was a dog. Did all the noodles turn up today? There were originally four dogs in the script. I think it was a CGI dog. <laughs> you can't take the trailer home with you, Nick Nolte. The trailer stays on set. <laughs> We've been having too much fun with poor Nick. He'll he'll be alright. Did he ever do anything else? Oh, I don't know. I nearly, you know what? I nearly just said I did Iron Man too, but that was uh, Mickey Rourke. That was Mickey Rourke, yeah. So that's another another um, car crash for another time. We uh we're, we're finished talking about the movie now. We don't want to talk about anything else. But the Civil War trailer came out this week. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. We're very excited. Exciting. Um, first glimpse of uh, Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Which is a very, very small glimpse. Kicking someone in the face. That, that person was... Uh, there was someone, Bucky, right? I think, Bucky? Well, but I thought he was on Bucky's team. Yeah, I couldn't remember what side he was on. Probably going to fight both. They're, they're constantly side. kicking each other in the yeah. face so this anyway. Is the thing, are the teams going to change probably quite a lot? Oh, I don't like the idea that Natasha isn't on Cap's team. To me, she, she and him are like, you know, tight. Buds. Yeah, and yeah. like for her to betray him is a big deal to me. Like, I... What, what, why does she have any loyalty to Tony? Why does anyone have any loyalty see, to Tony? What a dick. I can see her being very sceptical of, like, government programs after being involved in, like, the KGB and HYDRA. Yeah, yeah but I also can see her being, like, I don't know, just, like, Tony's a dick, I'm not going to help him. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I can see her just being, like, whatevs. Isn't a part of being Black Widow, though, that she'll essentially go with whoever's going to help her the most? True. So I think she's probably looking at it going, and this seems to be the way the wind's blowing. And she might, you know, she probably She's a survivor, baby. One of my one of my regrets from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I kind of wish instead of, like I love um Scarlett Johansson, but if they'd casted someone who was like old enough to have actually been like part of the KGB, mm. like my proper like That's part of the Soviet problem with Union that character is she's, she's very young to have Like been. if she could play if she could be a counterbalance for like Nick Fury and she was like a cold warrior and mm. she's like been in like you know, the final days of the Soviet Union and, like, played some really dirty stuff, like, rather than just, like, Natasha, who would have been, like, yeah, definitely post-Soviet uh, Union. Yeah, she's pretty young. She's... So who? Like, Rebecca De Mornay? <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure who, who cast that. <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head. <laughs> someone like that. Yeah, someone like... Yeah, just like old enough to have like actually like yeah, someone who's who's a bit more of like a Nick Fury style, like Francis being around Conway. the block. <laughs> the mum from Six Feet Under. I haven't seen that show. Oh come on. Um. All right. Well. Um. I think. Well, I think we've finished the show. Let's call it. Yeah. Well done, guys. Thanks for listening.